0: Recording this week in a celebratory mood. Welcome to Hand of Pod. On and all to episode 403 of hand of pod i can finally introduce an episode by saying argentina campeon sunday i need 400
1: episodes amazing
0: <laughs> saturday did not go as we had expected but it did go better than we had most of us had dared to hope um because the universe has a fantastic sense of humor it was a brilliant finish from angel di maria which brought Argentina's first major trophy in 28 years with a 1 0 win over Brazil in Brazil. Only the third match that the Seleção had ever lost in the Copa America on home soil. And here to discuss it with me this evening are Andres. Hello, and welcome. English Dan. Hello. And Santi. Hi, my fellow champions of South America. And of course, we have to start by saying Andres and Santi is the actual, authentic, fully Argentine citizens on the recording. Congratulations! <laughs> thank
2: you. Thank uh, you. Thank, thank you so much. I, I know you. You will have a similar feeling to us, given that um, well, England have faced almost the same luck to the same luck as you know us in the 30s, in that sense. So you, and, I mean, don't count yourself out of this. I mean, this title is as that's as yours you know
1: well me and sam are both young enough to remember when england when for england it really was 30 years of hurt like it was almost for argentina
0: indeed Um, yeah i was just thinking the other day actually that when argentina's the the drought that argentina just ended when that started england's drought had already been going on for 27 years so so we still want some waiting to do it looks like, yeah.
1: Uh, but I'm going to take partial credit as the father of an Argentine. I think um, this is partially my, mine as well. That's about as good as it's going to
0: get. <laughs> and I'm the sole football uh, fan in a household which contains an Argentine. So uh, I'll take it as well. Anyway, <laughs> um, we expected Brazil to, to be tough to beat. We expected, as we discussed really at quite some length last week, we, just, we expected Brazil's centre-backs to have the edge over Argentina's centre-backs. And yet that didn't turn out to be the case. Argentina's defence managed to hold firm. It wasn't always particularly well organised, but they did well enough to keep the tournament's second best attack at bay for the full 90 minutes and for that 1-0 win. Uh, Who wants to begin with with their own impressions of the tournament, of the match, whatever?
3: I I don't know what you guys think, uh, but what I think or what I saw at least is that when the, when the Copa América started, uh, all, all of course Brazil was the candidate the, 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 for everyone because they play there in Brazil and, and, and because they are Brazil. But as as the tournament went by, I think that things were different and Argentina started to be a, a, a more serious candidate, perhaps not to be like Brazil, but at least to to show themselves as a serious team. And uh, of course, well. Uh, with that, that strong defense that you said, and scoring in every game, which is of course I think nothing to to or something to remark. But uh, at least I, I I I saw it that way. That Argentina started from uh, from a perhaps not very uh, or or, but, or with a lot of question marks, and then I think they both, they became like a solid, quite solid team, and Brazil couldn't do, do much, and and they were like uh, being. Weaker with every game, I think, or at least playing better, playing worse uh, as they as they were passing the the, the matches and the, and the rounds.
2: Yeah, I would say, Andres, is that uh, I think uh, it's it's followed the the Scaloni the Scaloni you know uh, pattern in, in the sense that uh, just just like the 2019 Copa America, this is a team that has grown with every game. I think it's that uh, it's it's been finding its feet, you know, it's, uh, it's main, it's best starting 11. I think we, I think at this point we already uh, have, for, for example, our, our midfield, like pretty much secured. Uh, the, the front three is actually a pretty, it, it's pretty interesting. The fact that um, we have so many, so many options and so many options that have actually uh, performed well, but um, yeah, I think the the credit, Huge, huge credit deserves to go for to, to Scaloni, not just because of uh, how he managed Argentina throughout the tournament but particularly in this final. Uh, I think I had said before that um, the game would rely uh, the, the main the main mystery i think or, or the main tactical question of the game is who would just take the, the the initiative first and open the scoring and it proved to be Argentina just as they did in every single. Copa America game and that's exactly where uh, Brazil was hit the most I mean Brazil had a very clear weakness which was their fallbacks and uh, I have to be, give props to Scaloni to just uh, going to very very lengthy uh, ways to actually exploit that weakness to use uh, the balls brilliant absolutely brilliant uh, through balls uh, to hunt and Lodi which eventually uh, handed us that beautiful chip from Di Maria and uh to to actually find some defensive solidity to weather each and every single attack. I will have to give props to to Gonzalo Montiel. What a fantastic display from Gonzalo Montiel to, uh, from from right back. I mean, we were all scared after he suffered so dearly against uh, Luis Diaz, but to completely control um, Neymar on the right was just such an amazing thing to see with his uh, with his ankle bloody. I know. Uh some I have also gave some huge, huge credit to, to Nicolas Otamendi, who probably gave us his best performance for Argentina ever. You know, um hoofing every single ball in his in his path up in the air. Uh but Juti Romero making a comeback and uh once again delivering for almost 80 minutes despite being at about 50-60 percent of his uh physical condition. Um I mean there's so much to talk about. I, I will leave it. For the rest of you, but just I just want to say, I mean, the achievement from this team, uh, all with all the odds against them in Brazil, with Brazilian fans uh, and Argentine fans as well, but against history, against the present, against the press who are so. Uh, I mean, we will eventually, with time, measure the the how big this achievement is. But for the moment, we just have to enjoy, man. This is my first ever title in my life as an Argentine fan. And it's it's so much for us. I mean, they, they've, they've actually gone and done it. I, I just I still can't believe it.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I think um, we mentioned possibly either in the podcast or I mentioned elsewhere that one of the factors possibly that could come into play was that, I think, um, over the course of Copa America, Brazil obviously were very impressive, just ground out win after win in almost every game. Um, but there was a case to be made that possibly the level of opposition they faced uh, wasn't as high as, as Argentina had. I mean, you talk about they had Venezuela D in their first match. Um, and obviously they had Peru, Ecuador um, and Colombia, where Colombia was still finding their feet in the groups. Um, and they were able to to get past them and whereas argentina you know the first three matches they had were were chile uruguay paraguay and possibly if they didn't look that good against against those teams it's because a yeah they weren't they weren't brilliant and b you know they all they were they were three very difficult sides who who weren't going to give up anything um um I think there's a case that Argentina learnt from those games and a very, very tough semi-final is, as we discussed last week against Colombia um, which was in many ways, I think, a very good warm-up for, for Brazil because Colombia were um, a very similar side kind of set up on the pitch but uh, a step down, obviously, from, from Brazil. Uh, Argentina learnt their lessons from that match. They... Once again, you know, took a fairly early lead and and sat back, but not as far back as they have done uh, earlier in the tournament. I think it was only probably a spell, what, 20 minutes uh, in the second half where Brazil had a goal ruled out for side from Richarlison and, and Emmy Martinez had to make a couple of very good saves um, when Argentina kind of sat back too much. And we were like, oh, shit, we know what's coming, but but they bounced back from that and, you know, in the final minutes even finished better than Brazil and could have added a second or even a third with um, with a couple of very good chances. Um, so, you know, seeing that progression is very encouraging. Uh, I think having Cristiano Romero back, as, as uh, Santi mentioned, was, was key because he just gives that defence so much more assurance, um, so much more security because he's just... Very, very uh, positionally actually, aware and keeps plays the from together. the back
2: as well. Plays from the
1: back, yeah. Uh, Montiel, I agree. Had an absolute stormer after his nightmare against Colombia, and I, I think we should mention him because he's he's the one guy whose uh, whose name hasn't come up yet. Uh, Lionel Messi. I mean, he didn't score, he didn't get an assist in the final, but still, he just just kept going at Brazil and had a fantastic tournament from from day one and I thought it was brilliant the way uh, when the final whistle blew in the Maracanã and he kind of crumples on the floor and every, every single Argentina player, their first instinct, you know, something they didn't even think about. The first instinct is just to run over to Messi, uh, hug him and, and hoist him up on their shoulders. And, you know, that's not something that's rehearsed. That's not something that's learned. It's just recognition of this guy who's, been for so much for Argentina you know uh, four final defeats in a row n- not even managing to score I mean the team not even managing to score in, in any of those finals and it just had to be this year I guess in the weirdest of cir- circumstances with everything um, kind of against this Copa America uh, and just yeah a few moments of joy after this fucking this clusterfuck of a year, year and a half, we've had um yeah, it was it was brilliant. I mean, even speaking to someone you know who's only partially invested in the Argentina team, it was it was just brilliant to so.
0: Yeah, and as Leonel Scaloni revealed after the full-time whistle, Messi had been carrying a obviously only a slight one, because otherwise he wouldn't have been able to play, but he'd been carrying a hamstring. Thing From the
1: semi-final, uh, was, yeah, through,
0: through the Colombia and Brazil matches, which, I mean, at least for me afterwards, seemed to explain in hindsight why he looked so much less mobile against Brazil. Obviously, some of that was that, as you say, uh, Argentina were playing rather deeper and he just didn't see as much of the ball. Um, but he he was much more mobile earlier on in the tournament. And I think uh, uh, deserving of, of his player of the tournament, Gong, uh, comeball put out a rather confusing tweet. Was it the same day as the final, a few hours before, or was it the day before, which implied that they were going to give the player of the tournament award to Neymar and Messi jointly? Um, but then after the final, they they handed handed it to Messi on his own, uh, which I think is about right. Uh, yeah, there wasn't I mean, an awful I, lot. I think to, whoever
2: whoever won the game was just about right to get player of the tournament.
0: Yeah, I mean there, there wasn't much to choose between them, but overall, Messi contributed more goals and and made more key passes. There was that fantastic tweet that went round I'm not sure how accurately it had actually been uh, all the numbers had been totted up but with the various players who finished top of all of the main attacking statistics in the Euros and it was a different player from a different country for each one of them and then the same statistics for the Copa America it was just messy 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 um, it was an amazing tournament for him and, uh, anyway, and go on Andres
3: yes I, I think that uh, I, I heard of something which I think is quite right uh, which is that uh, some time ago it was Messi plus 10 and, and now it's a team plus Messi, I think, um, because he is, of course, uh, important for the team. It's key. It's quite uh, amazing. But uh, uh, the, the, his teammates understood and, and learned that he can't do anything, everything alone. And, and sometimes even uh, the ball can't be... Uh, but, can be held by by, by him, and, and uh, there are better options sometimes, and and I think that's that's great because uh, some time ago it was like give the ball to Messi and 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 see how he uh, he solves the the situations, and now it's uh, I think the other way around. Uh, even I think that the pole was perhaps more uh, had more influence in the team uh, with his those players that you wonder how many lungs does he have because. It was incredible the way, not only running, but uh, it was really, really uh, surprising for me the way he, he, he ran, he, marked, he played, he marked. It was just complete, I think. I
1: have a potentially controversial question on the back of what Andres has rightly just said. Uh, I'm going to open it up to the group. Scaloni, is he the coach who's got the best out of Messi? of all of the Argentina coaches that have come and gone since he's made his
2: debut? I think he have been really harsh on Savela. I mean, we still have to remember just how absolutely ruthless Messi was during those qualifiers. But what I will say is that this is by far the best uh, tournament Messi has ever played. And I think uh, Scaloni does deserve a lot of credit for bringing that out of Messi.
0: Yeah, I would go pretty much entirely with what Santi just said. I mean, Sabella's the obvious um, alternative shout, but uh, Argentina have looked more... I I don't know whether more effective, because Sabella's team were supremely effective counter-attacking, especially in the qualifiers, as as Santi says. Um, But they've looked the best going forward with the ball and and the most... the, The team who, until the final at least, just every time Argentina's opponents... Lost the ball, you knew it was going to be coming back at them, really quite soon, and probably with you know one or two really pretty vertical passes uh, going in from DePaul and from Llorente to a slightly lesser extent. Um, the midfield has has been the best balanced, and we spoke for so many years on this podcast about the importance of finding a midfield who could get the ball to Messi twenty yards higher up the pitch than you know, the 2014 side were doing or then the post-Sabela side certainly managed to do on a regular basis. Um, and this is, you know, one of the, it, what's felt all the time like an almost inevitable result of managing to just regularly get Messi the ball in his own half rather than making him having to drop back to the halfway line to, to collect it and not giving him the passing options ahead of him. So
1: do we think from that, can we surmise that, um, that Scaloni is a hand up pod listener
0: <laughs> is that the logical conclusion yeah. I, I, Just I don't think we that... can because if he was and if he listened to what we were saying he wouldn't have put Agnes Maria us. in the starting lineup yeah. would he or Otamendi and so <laughs> that's, that's one bit where I think you know it would be very easy now for us to brush it under the carpet and everything or to make a little bit of a joke about it but we have to be self-critical as well um, and we have to admit that you know I, I, I was watching an old episode on YouTube of, of QI uh, the other day with my girlfriend and um, Sandy Toxvig, the presenter, made the point that when you have a stopped clock, it's absolutely no use at all, even for the two times a day that it is correct because you don't know when those times are because the you clock is stopped. You don't know if that's right. Di
1: right?
0: yeah. Maria sweet. has been a bit like a stopped clock, except that Di Maria did know what time it was. He internally, he was aware that it was the final. Um, and indeed, he's, he's, he's been aware, you know, that this tournament might be his last chance the whole time through. We were talking about what a fantastic super sub he was. And although all of us on the on our WhatsApp group were, you know, when the lineup came out a few hours beforehand, we're going, oh, no, it, Scaloni's just shat the bed here, putting Di Maria in from the start. <laughs> it turned out to be a really good idea. It was almost as if Di Maria was playing as a, as a super sub, you know, from the beginning. And, and Scaloni was like, right, we're just... We, we want to get a good hour out of you, so just do as much running as you would do if I was sending you on with thirty minutes to go, and keep going for as long as you can. Um, yeah, especially he, he the, uh, ex- considering
2: that he had an injury scare uh, right Ooh, about yeah. the end of the first half, yeah. which was uh, which sh- 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 sent a lot of you know PTSD flashbacks for for all of us from all those previous important Argentina games where that happened. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he ended up with the uh, with the famous Maradona
1: ankle, didn't he? I don't know if you saw the the fight either. Oh, Went rounds. After his ankle was fucking huge,
0: I haven't seen this one though.
1: Mm. Well, I think Maradona's ankle, the orange in nineteen ninety, is pretty much um, on that level. Okay, well.
2: poor lad.
0: No, I, I but... saw Mo- Montiel ended up with his sock covered in blood as well, didn't he? After yeah. it was messy in the was it the quarterfinal or the semi final had it?
2: Messi in, in the sem- semi, uh, from semis a Fabra, From Afara, yeah, I think that that's probably why we didn't see Messi at probably his most uh, brilliant at his, as he had been off-road the Copa, and uh, he did have that sitter, um against mm. Ederson in, in the final minutes. I think that's probably because he, he slipped on the pitch or something. But uh, I will say that Messi played like a defensive midfielder, uh, like a defensive midfielder, especially in the second half. You could see like him swinging... Uh, at Neymar at one point, like uh, as if Neymar was uh, Claudio Caniche against the Cameroonians in 1990, which was something like truly beautiful to see and completely unexpected from Messi.
1: I'm just happy he played his way into a new Barcelona contract. That must be um, a huge weight off his mind.
0: Yeah, I would think that signing a player like Messi on a free transfer ought to be uh, one of the more astute moves Barcelona have made in the transfer market in the last few years. It's a Isn't pretty it? low bar to clear, but you know if he, if if they can get one tenth out of him as th- his previous club did, uh, then he should prove to be good. I think they're onto a
2: winner, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. should do a yeah, job. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just adding another huge wage to that, you know, impossible to maintain the wage budget from them. You know, I don't know. Apparently, he's he's only gonna pick up half what the other guy, what one of their other
1: players used to make. So, all in all, could work I out. Mean,
2: it better work out, you know, otherwise they're going under.
0: <laughs> I'm sure they'll manage to sell a training ground to the city council or something if they need to, like, you know, their, their main rivals have got a pretty good record in showing them how to do that kind of thing. So, um, but anyway, sticking with Argentina, I I don't want to take this down the line of sort of, you know, what comes next and how does the team build from here? Because that really is going to be a conversation for when the World Cup qualifiers come back in. The the, the point is, the, the fact of the matter is that Argentina have have managed what they've been trying to manage for such an awfully long time. They, they've won something. So this is, you know, the end point in a way. Um, but one question that I do just wonder, more given his age than the fact, is, you know, because he's put in a few, at least two that I can think of, against Chile and, and in the final against Brazil. Um, really pretty decent performances after we slagged him off for a very long time indeed, um, is Nicolás Otamendi and the makeup up in future of Argentina's defence uh, because it's clear that Cristiano Romero is going to be a big part of it. And as I kind of mentioned earlier, there were times in the second half when even though Argentina managed to keep a clean sheet, uh, it looked a bit hairy. There, there were like two points in the space of within about five minutes of each other where there were balls over to Brazil's right wing. I think it was Everton on the pitch by that point. Um, and the left back was just... It was uh, Richarlison. Well, yes, yes, you're right, it was. Um, and Nicolas Tagliafico had been dragged in pitch seemingly because Otamendi or, or Romero had, you know, gone looking for the ball. So the right winger for Brazil picks it up in absolutely acres of space and put a ball across. And on both occasions, nobody managed to get on the end of it. Um, so what what is the future of Argentina's backline because Otamendi even if he you know had been brilliant the whole time and even if he'd played what 110 matches or whatever it is no 90-ish matches for Argentina and they'd all been absolutely faultless he's still not going to be around for very much longer so who do we think is Romero's partner long term in the centre of the Argentina defence following this this copper is he going to be one of the I guys who think... were in the squad just now is it going to be Juan Foyt maybe coming back in and having another chance or what
1: I think that depends uh a lot, probably mostly, on, on what the other guys do, because um what we saw in, you know, just to put a damper a little bit after all this positive talk, uh, I think what we saw over the course of the World Cup qualifiers and the subsequent Cop of America is that while, you know, Otamendi is Otamendi, he's an old Otamendi, um, and not particularly reliable, um, about most of the other defenders, apart from Romero, because um, Petzela, Martinez Cuarta, Foyt, albeit on the right rather than in the middle of the defence, and somewhat to a lesser extent, Lisandro Martinez, who who only really got uh, one chance. Um, you know, none of those guys uh, put in a performance where, like Romero did, right from the start, where you just say, "Ah, that's it. This is a guy who who's gonna kick." Otamendi out and take his forward. Uh, That just didn't happen. And and neither did it happen in the way that Emi Martinez, you know, way back in the first game against Chile, uh, just took over the goalkeeping spot because, let's remember, he only got that start because Franco Armani um, was out with COVID. And he was so good in those first two games that he just became an automatic choice overnight. International football is like that. There are a few chances. It's not like... You're entitled by birthright to get games because they're so infrequent. And the chances that come up, you've got to take them. Um, I don't think the other guys, um, aside from Romero and Otamendi, did that. So it's still wide open. I mean, I honestly would be shocked uh, if Otamendi is still in a position 18 months from now or a little less, uh, where he remains the starting first-choice centre-back for... For Argentina, but the onus is on the these other guys we've just mentioned and a couple of other guys who who are there are thereabouts to come up and say, "Look, I'm here, I'm good, pick me um no one's done that yet, but there's still time
2: yeah the thing with the the, the thing with the, the the World Cup next year is that um it's only a year and a half away in terms of time, but then you look at how many games. We still have to play in the in the qualifiers. They're like 12, so a lot could happen in those 12 games. And uh, even if um, his other his other uh, centre back uh, partners didn't exactly set the world alight, someone that I predict that I at least at least in, I wish or I would like for him to you know have a crack at it is uh, Marcos Enesi, who was supposed to be in the under the 23s squad for, for the Olympics. But couldn't because uh, his club, Pioneer, didn't uh, allow him to go. But I think um, between him and Isandro Martinez, I mean, I think Argentina, if anything proved, despite the fact that Rotamendi, of course, was imperious in that final and uh, and did in eventually prove to be like a very strong presence in the air, I think Argentina still need a, a left-footed left back to actually help with, uh, with playing the ball from the back. So... Uh, I would like for for either Senesi or Lissandro Martinez, if he gets offered another chance to finally get get that uh, that second centre-back
0: spot. We shall have to wait and see. Argentina's first match as well. In fact, looking at the date, I think it must be their first match overall, but it certainly will be their first competitive match as champions of South America will be away to Venezuela on the 2nd, or I suppose possibly Friday the 3rd, but probably Thursday the 2nd of September. That's the next World Cup qualifier. And then shortly after that, uh, the following what well, Tuesday, it will be, one to They will host Bolivia. Um, so that's when we'll next get the opportunity to have a look at them. And obviously, as I said a few minutes ago, we'll go in properly on a preview for those matches.
3: Yeah, don't forget there will
0: more, be three games. Of, yes there will be three like.
2: games in, in september and october because uh the march qualifiers could never be held held so
0: uh, okay in that case maybe this is
2: so so it's going to be venezuela bolivia uruguay
0: off. i've just got a uh double header showing up on sofa score here with oh i see right they've left the previous matches just showing as canceled they haven't put the new dates in yet do you know when they're playing uruguay then Santy?
2: I think it's not been confirmed yet, but I know that they will play Uruguay in September and then Brazil in October, in addition with the regularly scheduled uh, qualifiers.
0: I see, right. Well, Argentina-Uruguay is going to be uh, in Argentina. Brazil versus Argentina is going to be in Brazil. And of course, Brazil have a very good record against Argentina at home. Uh, recently but um,
2: don't forget don't forget what happened the last time
0: (laughs) yeah I I quite strongly suspect that nobody will particularly give a toss what happens in that match either (laughs) given that the the really big one has now finally been won Um, do we have any other points to make about the copper I think we've got about six minutes left for zoom before we have to take an before we're obliged yeah. to take
2: may, a, a half-time uh, break, may I just say, may I just say something? Uh, you know, as a as a closer, I think maybe for for this. Uh, of course you can. I will. I will say that some, one of the things that, make, that makes me proudest, so happiest about this title is the fact that this doesn't feel like a culmination mm. for this group of players in any way. Instead, it feels like a beginning. Maybe it's because of the fact that we will have a a World Cup in only a year and a half, or the. The fact that there is still a, a group of players who are just just shy of reaching the the prime years to to perform for us, and uh, they have a they have a squad that clicks so well, and uh, the fact that we already have a Copa America title in our in our bag against Brazil in these circumstances, which actually will probably give the, the players the feeling that they can take anyone to this point if they can target them well and they can exploit the weaknesses. I don't know. It feels like a this wave of positivity that has uh, been unleashed from this title it, it feels like these players will ride it uh, and will I don't think they will be complacent. Or on the contrary, I think they will face it like in a way that like you can take a, you can take on anyone at this point.
1: Well this positivity is making me very uncomfortable when we're talking about <laughs> the national team. Can we have the AFA done anything stupid? Did they lose the copper on the plane home or I mean otherwise <laughs> Uh this is just this is just very alien to me.
2: I mean everything can go up in flames if you know Chiquitapia's uh election from last year, the forced election from last year because of COVID uh is annulled, somebody else comes in, they decide uh, Scaloni is no good and they chain him and uh you start all over. I mean that can always happen. Yeah, I
1: mean Martinez gets banned for life for something they found in his DNA
2: on the co- on the copper or <laughs> Or I maybe he just, or maybe he just uh, succumbs to the scrutiny from you know a very small portion of fans and just becomes very embarrassed for for his trash talk against Colombia. Let's look very on nice. the bright side yeah. for now. Angel Di
0: Maria is one of the greatest wingers the game has ever seen. Chiqui Tapia is the world's best football administrator, and everything is good <laughs> at least until we record next week, when no doubt we'll have plenty more to complain about again, at least I off think, the pitch. I,
3: I that think that uh, this this will bring. Uh, of course, it's not that yeah, Argentina can be the champions of the world and that, because the way of, posi- of, of positivity is good, but uh, uh, until a certain point in which you have to be also realistic. But uh, I think that Argentina will be, of, of course, a, a step ahead of, of what they were before the Copa America, that's for sure. Um, and, and it's good for, <laughs> I heard this, for example, the, the Belgian. Uh, uh, defender Thomas Meunier, who said uh, that uh, the only thing that they, they care about is the Euro, the, to win the Euro because uh, uh, the, the World Cup is like the Euro plus Brazil. Well, now they should add Argentina for that uh, uh, as a as a competitor at least. I don't know whether they will be uh, a candidate in one year and a half to win World Cup, but uh, at least uh, it's like uh fresh air that comes and, and of course they will push they will be with more confidence uh, because of course 28 years to win a title and now they now they did it and at just at the right time I think because it was now it was the time and they did it well uh, so it's something to, to 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 be positive about but of course uh, not with that air of of uh, like the typical Argentinian supporter that says, now we, that we won, we will win also Copa, the World Cup, because it's not like that, I think. No, I've got to say, Go on, that don't. is
1: Rich coming from Belgium with all of their <laughs> World Cups and all of their European championships. <laughs> and that is Rich coming from
2: one of the best players in this whole generation of Belgian players, you know, just alongside, yes. you know, Romelu Lukaku and Kevin De Bruyne. You also, you know, the first person that comes into mind is Thomas Menea, of course
0: that yeah just a note to say you know no offense to any of our belgian listeners but um if you're listening to this podcast then you probably realize what we mean anyway but no i think yeah i mean i I think you're right andres it can only add to to the confidence of the team uh, in hopefully a a good and productive way um and you know it, it feels a bit like there's a big gap between european football and the rest of the world at times but then this time last week we were all sitting here saying there was a big gap between brazil and the rest of the continent and the truth is that not just the final, but really in hindsight, the quarterfinal and the semi final um, showed that, you know, Brazil are human, just like everybody else. It's 11 against 11 at the end of the day. Um, and perhaps Scaloni is not quite as much of a chump as we all thought he was when it comes to picking a team. Anyway, on that note, I'm going to call a halftime break now, partly because Zoom is about to cut us off. And we will come back after this music uh, and we will, well, we'll get on with the second half of the podcast. to the second half. We have lost Andres. We're not quite sure what's happened, um, but he's still not in the meeting. We've been sitting waiting for him for about 10 minutes. So we're going to start recording now, taking a gamble that his internet's out or something like that. And if he joins us during the second half, then you'll know what's happening. Um, I had an idea of what to say in order to begin this second half discussion, and I have forgotten. It's just completely gone out of my mind. Um, but we were going to discuss the domestic game now, because much to Dan's surprise, because he's so switched on and up to date, uh, the league kicks off tomorrow. By the time the first of you manage to listen to this, it will be later today. Uh, The 2022 league championship is going to begin on Friday night with Union. Have I got the teams the right way around there? It is Union at home, isn't it? versus Boca Juniors. Um, it's going to be, I think, a fairly similar uh, format to the Coppa that we covered during the first half of the year, that this one is going to be a league title. And the AFA have very kindly clarified to everybody to avoid any confusion that Boca Juniors are the defending champions because they won the last league title before the pandemic hit and the two competitions that have been played since then uh, Copas. uh before I we think get it's on just all to against our- all, Sam.
1: they're just they're gonna fit oh, in 25- 25 yeah they are gonna fit in 25 rounds by december
0: okay we did discuss this last week on hand of pod extra so um i'm not quite sure how i managed to forget this but anyway thank you for the reminder dan that's a good excuse all by all right. the way for me to say um that you can listen to hand of pod extra if you go to patreon.com slash hand of pod and you sign up to become a patron you can get lots and lots of extra content but you know if you want to just do it out of the goodness of your hearts to support the podcast then please do don't be put off by the lots of extra content um we will be discussing later on a preview on this week's extra of the knockout stage stages i should say of the copa libertadores and copa sudamericana i was going to say the knockout stage of the libertadores and the continuation of the sudamericana but sudamericana of course was a group stage during the first half of the year this year as well um the Libertadores results that have happened this week, though, to run through them really quickly, Cerro Porteño, nil. Fluminense, 2. Boca, nil. Atlético Mineiro nil. São Paulo 1. Racing, 1. Vélez, 1. Barcelona de Guayaquil, nil. Universidad Católica, I'm just checking which one that is because it confuses me every time now. I think it's, uh, I think uh, it's Chile. Chile. Chile, Chile. Chile, nil. Palmeiras, 1. River, 1. Argentinos, 1. And Defensa y Justicia, nil. Flamengo, one uh, later on tonight Olympia host Internacional and all of the return legs of these second round ties are being played next week but anyway now moving on to the domestic thing um, well I've started it off already it kicks off on Friday with Union versus Boca. Um what else is there to add gents let's see the other main fixtures for the weekend uh, the other one of the two titans of domestic football if you'll forgive me for calling them that River are at home to the other santa fe side it's surprising or i, I guess it's not really surprising because it seems to me to be a deliberate choice but it's surprising how often this kind of thing happens where banfield and lanus will end up playing you know independiente and Racing or river and Boca respectively on the same weekend and all that kind of thing so river are at home to colon um the other standout matches independiente versus argentinos ought to be Fairly decent, I think. Beles host Racing. Um, Yep, and various other matches are taking place as well. Independiente right now, by the way, are away to Santos in the Cota Sudamericana. That's nil-nil after 53 minutes. Um, Yes, and you're quite right, Dan. Everything is going to be 25 rounds of matches with everybody playing everybody else in a league table between now and the... What's the final date that appears here if we scroll all the way down? The 12th December twelfth. December twelfth. December, December. Yeah. yeah. So oh, that's it's right. It's going to be like four midweek rounds, aren't there? And they're not going to stop for FIFA dates.
2: Yeah, it's going <laughs> to so be I a brutal, correctly. brutal uh, uh, calendar, I would say, because I mean, you have to consider the fact that uh, there's going to be th- there's going to be those midweek games. There's going to be Copa Argentina games. they're going to be like ha- almost half of the of the teams they have to play Libertadores or Americana. There's going to be the, the the international breaks. There's going to be the breaks because of the elections. You know, there's so much uh, stuff going in the middle and you have to complete it before December the 12th. So I think by the end of the of the tournament, the players are going to be absolutely knackered. Yeah. Um
0: Yeah, well, the players,
1: we're going to be knackered. Like, how yeah,
0: well, exactly. Yeah, I was going to, there the might, with the midweek ones, there might well be some weeks where it's just not really practical for us to record and we end up having to take a, a one week break and then cover three rounds of matches when we come back for the two weekends yeah, exactly. and then the midweek in between. Um, it's going to be a, a interesting to have lots and lots of domestic football in such a short period of time, Though, after several years really where the structure of the competitions has meant that even though there have been far too many teams in the top flight, we've actually had fewer games over the mm-hmm. course of the season than we would in a normal 20 team, everybody plays, everybody else home and away system. Um, but yeah, who, what are the most interesting um, signings that we can think of off the top of our heads, guys? River, of course, has signed Brian Romero um, from, from Defensa y Justicia, who was the top scorer yeah. in last year's Sudamericana, if I remember rightly. Um, and we were just mentioning during the break, while well, we were wondering where Andres was, that Boca have signed Luis Advincula, the... Peru, well, the former Peru. May, may
2: like? I correct you? He didn't. He didn't play for Peru because uh, he was busy making, well, promoting Rajo Bajicado to the to the to La Liga. So I think it, if it wasn't because of that, he would have been he would have been a starter for Peru in the Copa America. Uh, and, he's right, of, okay.
1: and he's one of two internationals that Boca have uh, added to their ranks this winter because they've also got. Armenian international, uh, Norberto right?
2: Exactly. A uh, teammate of uh, former um, Manchester United and Arsenal uh, attacking midfielder Henrik Mkhitaryan. Indeed.
1: And former Huracan. He moved um, to replace Tevez or to replace Soldano. Probably more towards Soldano, I
2: think. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they did right, bring two best. two centre forwards in, well, in him and uh, Nicolas Orsini, but they're not exactly centre forwards who score a lot of goals, are they?
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the setup is like. Andres has just joined us again, by the way. Hi, Andres, welcome back. Hi. Kind of you to make time in your schedule for us. Um, so Boca it was Tebes has left right it, has that been absolutely confirmed it was just a rumour the last time I saw something about it but that was before the start no, of the Sam, Sammy did that he whole long press conference <laughs> oh of course he did yes how could I forget and then they yeah. say
1: about me because I don't know when the league's going to start <laughs> it's my video <laughs>
0: <laughs> these so conditions I have to work on just looking at Bocca's forwards then I, this is according to Sofa score, because it's what I've got in my uh, hand Ezekiel Sebastius Norberto Briasco, Agustino Bando, Nicolás Orsini, and Nazareno Solis. Um, Average age of adding it up. Got about 24 or something between them. Um, They're going from very experienced at centre forward to really not having a whole lot of experience there, aren't they? It's going to be interesting to see.
2: Yeah, to be honest, I would argue that uh, it is in all likelihood uh, Boca's best striker is not at Boca. It is uh, Giancarlo Sultao, who just uh, renewed his loan with the Red Bull Bragantino. Mm. Yeah, who are riding, who are actually rating pretty high in the Brasileirao. They had a magnificent start. I think they are like third or fourth. I suppose it's worth
0: tempering that with the fact that presumably a lot of the more powerful sides in Brazilian football. Lost quite a few players to the Copa America, given that they were playing on through it, and given the uh, you know, the economics of, of football on this continent. No,
1: huge amount. Yeah.
0: But I think that the the really big question over Boca for now, though, has to be what happens with Edwin Cardona, right? What's what's going on with him? Is he going to remain a Boca player for much longer? If he does, is he going to play regularly? Or
2: apparently, he returned to the squad after his. Uh... Antics in, in Colombia, back in Colombia, where he went to a nightclub and uh, uh, decided against uh, playing for them in the Libertadores tie against Atletico Mineiro. He will return. Apparently, Boca want to avoid any kind of conflict, but they have stripped him from
3: the number 10 shirt,
2: Oof. which is woof, such a blow to of, take, you know. Top of that.
3: <laughs> funny, funny thing is that uh, before this, coach uh, Corstock. Uh, very well about him, saying that he's the best. Uh, he he talks about the teams, the players that are at Boca as the best of the of the country, all of them. Uh, if you ask Ricardo about Wigan, he will say that he's the best uh, right back of Argentina. Uh, and then they don't then don't don't, don't play like like that. But uh, it's a good strategy about marketing. But then in in the pitch it's not like that. Mm. Um. Andres,
0: who are you most excited about at River and, and what sort of areas of the pitch do you think they still have to find a replacement in or reinforce in some way?
3: Well, um, of course, Borre is not, no, not anymore here in, in, at River. And, and they silently went for, for Ryan Romero, who uh, won one week after he signed his contract, made his debut. It was last night against Argentina Juniors. Uh, for Copa Libertadores. And he showed interesting things, and, and we could say, of course, in the future, now it's too soon to say that, that he could be a good, good replacement for, for Barret, who was uh, left river with being the, the goal scorer, uh, the most goal scorer in the Gallardo uh, era. So, uh, it's a pretty complete uh, squad. Of course, we have to see whether, uh, for example, the La Cruz or even Montiel, who, like we have been saying, was uh, great in the, in the final of the Copa America. If they don't leave, uh, like the River will have a quite uh, a good squad, even large squad. But, of course, uh, the, the, the transfer deadline in Europe is enough, right? And we have to wait until that to see what happens with the, with the squad.
0: Yeah, that's the point that we actually were discussing um, before you rejoined, just how crowded this fixture list is going to be, given how many games are crammed into so few months. But it was something that we overlooked, was the fact that, whereas normally the, the European transfer deadline comes sort of towards the start of the, the campaign, you know, a few weeks in, this time it's going to be getting on for two months into the campaign and presumably absolutely loads of matches will have been played. And then several teams are going to lose some key players, Um so, it's going to be interesting to see how everyone adapts to that. Um, Santi, also, Dan, uh,
3: Sorry, Go on, Andres, yeah. Yes. And also, Gallardo wanted a, a, an offensive midfielder to be how even, even more complete uh, alternative. But uh, apparently, it was Farias they chose. But, of course, when River went to ask Colón for uh, the price, it was 10 million. I don't know if dollars or euro, but it's 10 million and... Of course, it's too expensive for River. Uh, even when River can give them, for example, Lucas Beltran, the striker who uh, at this point it has no room in in, in the squad, and uh, it was a good alternative for Colón to to have him on loan, and also Nahuel Gashardo, who of, of course has now also no room in in the in the in the, in the team. Uh, but even with Gashardo going there and Beltran, uh, River will have to put. Perhaps five, six million dollars more uh, to get Farias, one of the key players in the, uh, for in the in for the, the uh, Copa that they won. But yes. uh, if Farias or well, perhaps there is another name that we don't know for the for for to cover that, that position, uh, I think it is uh, it is done with 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 uh, Brian Romero and well the the other players that already were, were at the squad.
0: We shall see. Santi, Dan from Independiente and Racing. Are there any big transfers either having been made no. or?
2: not at all uh, we, really. We Did have Sandra actually signed back? someone. We have actually signed someone, but he can't play. Which is oh yes, such an right. independent, such an independent thing to do. Actually, Falcioni was uh, for most of the transfer window looking for uh, a centre back. And uh, a centre back, a left back, and a defensive midfielder. Apparently, we found a centre back. His name is Joaquín Lazo, and he's coming from uh, Rosario Central. But there's one slight problem, which is that Independiente are in such a huge debt, uh, especially regarding uh, Torino, uh, thanks to the Gaston Silva transfer. That uh, and América as well. Um, they still have to pay him uh, as of uh, June the fifteenth, July the fifteenth. I think that was the first deadline. They haven't met it yet, and that means that um, neither Joaquin Lazo nor the left-back and defensive midfielder that uh, Independiente signed can play for Independiente unless they decide to pay off those debts, which means that uh, no matter what uh, Falcini wants, he won't be able to get it because this uh, brilliant, brilliant board from Independiente just decided not to play their players at one point. that has still come back to bite us, you know, several years later. So thank you very, very much for making this team greater and greater every day.
0: <laughs> thank you, Independiente. Great again. Um, the other interesting thing, oh, while we're talking about individual players, by the way, it would be remiss of me as the uh, resident historian not to point out something that we first pointed out, I think about a year ago, because I was lamenting the fact that we were in for a cup competition, but it is still a possibility. Jose Sand is still a Lanús player. And that means that if he scores at some point in this season, he now will take the record. In fact, he'll smash the record because he's nearly a year older um, than the current record holder now uh, for the oldest player ever to score in the Argentine top division. Because of course he scored plenty of goals. Well, I don't know how many goals exactly, but he scored multiple goals over the last 12 months, but they've all been in cup competitions. So he's that close to doing it for Lanús. So, fingers crossed none of us here are lanus fans but we'd all love to see the record go uh, to a player that we've actually watched with our own eyes so that yeah, would be he actually uh,
2: renewed his contract until 2022 so even if he plays on the on the next tournament in the first half of next year he can still absolutely tear that record apart
0: indeed yeah at least until Lionel messi takes it in about seven years time um but we shall see. The other interesting thing that I'm looking forward to seeing dynamic-wise for this uh, league is that I suspect that we might well see a slightly surprising champions again because of the fact that the Libertadores knockout stages, which we're going to preview properly and hand a pod extra in a little bit, um, are kicking off. It's going to mean that River, no doubt, will take this league title just as seriously as they've taken all the other domestic competition that's not the Copa Argentina under Marcelo Gachardo. I suspect it's going to mean that Boca uh, and most of the other teams left in the Libertadores will do similarly and that really does open it up for for everyone else even though you know we've just mentioned that River and Andres just said River have got a relatively large squad this time Boca of course have a big squad as well by Argentine football standards um but it makes them significantly less intimidating looking in in, in the eyes of all the uh, of everybody else so I suspect that unless one or both of those teams go out in this current round of 16 of the Libertadores, um, it's going to end up affecting the league campaign quite a bit. Um, We could, you know, Colón will be wanting to revalidate their cup win, won't they, by turning it into a league title as well. Um, We'll have to wait and see. Should be interesting. With that... Said, I think it's time to go to listeners' questions. Then we are, of course, time limited by Zoom at the moment, so we don't want to run over too much. Janet Hopper says, How long into the reported five year contract until Messi feels like retiring? And if he does, would there be a return to Argentina? It's I mean, tough,
1: it's very tough. Um, I at this stage, you know, I'd like lo- I'd hope I'd love to be wrong, like we were about the uh, Copa final, but. I can't see him coming back to uh, to Argentina as a professional. It's
2: yeah, you have to take into point. account you have to take into account the fact that the original plan was for him to sign uh, for Barcelona for, for I think two years and then place um uh, three extra years in the MLS before retiring. But now we know that this new agreement uh with Barcelona was that uh, he would uh have his uh halve his uh <laughs> his wages. But then he would sign until uh, 2026, which means by the time the, the contract runs out, he will be uh, 39. Yeah, I mean, it's worth sense. bearing
0: in mind that some of the stuff about the way this contract's structured is to, to keep the, the La Liga authorities happy with FFP regulations and everything because of the financial situation that Barcelona are in. So by halving his wage, but doubling the length of the contract, Barca are able to say, look, long term, even if, you know, one of us, cut short the contract early we'll make sure that you get as much money as you were going to anyway um, exactly but it doesn't yeah. go off our books for you know all at once as it were um, but yeah I mean even so I, I kind of agree with Dan I think uh, I, I read an interview or or some quotes from him or something I can't remember last year about this and you know everybody having always just assumed that one day he'll return and play for Newell's for a season before retiring or whatever um, and it seemed to be something that wasn't necessarily really in, in his mind as much as it's been in the, in the minds of all of us and, you know, much as we'd love to see it. Um, I don't think it's the most likely outcome at the moment. Uh, apart Riot, from that, go on, Andres. Yes.
3: No, apart from that, uh, every player that you hear uh, right now, uh, when they ask about coming to Argentina, they say that the situation of the country is not the best, of course. And I think, I don't
0: think that will change in five years' time. So uh, that's also another point. Indeed, yeah. Uh, Rayat Hossein says, which players do you feel will be included in the national team for 2022? Curious to see which positions and which players you feel will form the base of the new generation of the national team, uh, specifically young players from the domestic league or from across Europe who have yet really to make an impression on the national team. I mean, I think we sort of answered this to an extent in the first half. Um, I think that most of the bases there, the really big questions are going to be long-term, who comes in to replace Nicolas Otamendi. um, And then even longer term, you know, one day he is going to retire. Who gets the number 10 shirt after him? Um, Messi, of course, not Otamendi. Um, The fullbacks maybe are still a little bit up in the air, although Montiel, with his performance on Saturday, has potentially won a little bit more faith at number four for a while. Number four, for those of you who aren't aware of Argentine numbering conventions is, is where the right-back plays here rather than number two. Um, but most of the rest of the team look look pretty settled to me. You know, it's more a, a case of, well, is a more defensive number five like Guido Rodriguez going to come in for Ed, for Leandro Paredes depending on the op- op- opposition. Um, but most of the starting 11, I would say, are, are probably going to look pretty much the same now, aren't they? Yeah, you'd think
1: 80% probably of the the squad and definitely you know the shortlist that Argentina had going into the Copa America are going to be there for the World Cup. Um, you know it's not much time to go, and I mean I can't even think about someone, especially a midfield attack, who could just emerge now from nowhere and and put themselves into consideration. I, I don't know if the players are there. To be honest, I think um, the Copa squad was pretty much. As full strength as Argentina could go there, very good luck with injuries and whatnot. No, no I'm really unavailable, so I can't foresee many changes uh before next year.
0: Yeah, Julian Alvarez getting a bit more playing time off the bench might be the most obvious call to make, but he's not exactly uh, it's not really coming out of left field or a particularly brave prediction that given that he was a uh, you know a, a squad player and got off the bench a couple of times during the Copper as well. Um, I
2: think we should see the return of Lucas Ocampos uh, back into the, the Argentina fall. I don't think it, this is the end for him. If he mm-hmm. gets a, a good season in Sevilla, I think he he could make a return. We'll have to see. Peter Strum says, will
0: Paolo Montero bring some joy to the San Lorenzo fans, which they thoroughly deserve? I, this
2: uh, me by a little bit. That's actually,
1: contentious. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I, if uh, I agree with
2: that. No, I mean Paolo Monteros's uh, stint at. No, I mean, do they deserve it? I,
1: I don't know if I agree with that. So...
0: <laughs> <laughs> he didn't do. Fan- yeah. Where, where's he been for the last little while? Because he didn't do fantastically. Was it Colon?
3: No, it was, uh,
0: Central. Central, of course. Yeah, one of the Santa He faces. looked like
2: Morrissey in the, in his youth, but bold, basically, mm. but. Uh... Oh, you know, I remember being I mean, uh, San
0: Lorenzo have
1: players they could do something,
2: well, yeah, they but just, they have but... an absolutely wretched uh dressing room by the looks yes. of it.
3: 6 yes. back, ah, that's right. <laughs> Christ, almighty. that's right. So 40? I I know it, yeah, I know if joy, but he will bring some fun, that's for sure.
2: Oh, yeah, yes, I mean, we all we're always having fun with San Lorenzo, even if it's about uh the Romeros uh paying an extra fee for the players after winning games from their own pockets or their, their former players lambasting them for no reason. we are always having fun.
0: David novoshevsky says no question really, but Holy hell. I was hoping for a break and the league is starting already. Love you all. We love you too, David. And uh, Same. frankly, so will we. I mean, I was looking forward yes. to, or, 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 I wasn't looking for, because I was aware that the league was starting on Friday. Unlike some people in this recording, Daniel, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I would have very much liked to have just had a nice relaxing recording Doing nothing but celebrating Argentina's win uh, and then take a little bit of a break, a week or two off before getting started with the league. But here we are. This is the universe we live in. Austin Miller says, What will be Scaloni's next managerial job once he leaves the national team? Come on, Austin. That's blasphemy now. You can't. He's never leave like the like national team. I
2: mean, I mean, this, the do- team this until uh, he dies. I mean, Chiki doomsday scenario could still happen. I mean, it can't happen because, I mean, after all, he did fuck up by calling that uh, election early because of the pandemic, and uh, it's still being investigated. It would be, I mean, fucking awful because, I mean, that would that would mean they're just tearing this whole process apart, well, just because you don't like Scaloni, but, but, but uh, or but you're you, jealous about him.
0: Any new incoming president now has, I mean, not just for the fan reaction, but also for the way the players would react, would have to be extremely brave, I think, to say. Yes, yeah, Galani, you're, you're out. We're going to look for another manager. Um,
2: yeah, but uh, what happens when the... Madrid
0: or Barcelona come knocking? That's going to be the question. Ah, uh, yeah, that is the big question. It's going to be hard it? to
2: say no to those.
0: Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says I did say last week it was coming home, and then he puts an Argentina flag emoji in there. Deserved win versus Brazil. How big is the apology that is owed to Di Maria? Look, Liam, we've given it already. Okay, there's no need to rub this in our faces. <laughs> Um, he also asks for a lower division update at the halfway point with plenty of teams in promotion contention. Uh, we have been told by Zoom that we've only got 10 minutes to run, so I'm going to try to get through this, uh, and we might do a proper lower division update perhaps next week. But, Dan, can you think of any off the top of your head for the second division? I or can third?
1: say for now, in the Primera Nacional, Tigre atopo Zone. Uh It's very close at the top. There's only one point separate. Two points separating Tigre from fifth place Amarante Brun. And in zone B, it's a little um, a little more spaced out and leaves open the possibility that we could have a Clásico Santiago next year because Wemes, the Santiago del Estero, lead that group uh, ahead of Barraca Central by five points at the halfway mark.
0: That would involve Central Cordoba staying. Oh, no, it doesn't, because there's no relegation at the end of the year. No relegation. Top flight. I keep forgetting this. You have to remind me of that last week as well. Um, The product. Indeed, yeah. Uh, What other... Actually, I've just realised I've got Promierdos open here, so I could very quickly look at the other tables as well. That's basically Uh, what I did, Sam.
1: No, I think um, the Bimetro Clausura hasn't started yet. I don't think any of the others are the... (laughs) <laughs> this is so confusing
0: Federal so that, uh, has Deportivo which is the regional don't even try and understand outside the thing, yeah. Greater Buenos Aires has Deportivo Madrid top of Group 1 and Racing de Cordoba, top of Group 2 uh, with a whole load of teams competing for playoff spots just below them but that's only 12 matches into a what presumably is going to be about a 30 match season by the end of those um, so yeah we're, we're actually we looking at that it seems like we're some way away from the halfway point still doesn't it um yeah. yeah give us another week to research though and i'm sure dan will have a bit more <laughs> for us next week that's a hit for you dan um since we're doing this by the way the the women's uh top flight has still been actually i'm not sure whether it has still been going this whole time but there certainly is a game going on at the moment because i've had it up on youtube while we've been recording the final um is it yeah Oh, so it yeah, is. Oh, How did I miss that? Anyway, Boca... We do need Tony
2: back in this podcast, don't we?
0: We do, yeah. We do. Bo- Boca currently 1-0 up against San Lorenzo um, in Deportivo Moron's stadium with about seven and a half minutes to go. I had somehow completely missed the fact that that was the final. San Lorenzo uh, managed... See, so it can happen
1: to anyone, sir.
0: Indeed, yeah. San Lorenzo managed a shock 1-0 win against Y Urquisa in what I failed to realise was the semi-final on Sunday, and uh, on Saturday, Bocca put Riber out 3-2 in a shootout after a 2-2 draw. Um, so that's your women's update, and of course I'll give you the full-time score, if I remember, uh, after the music at the end of this. Uh, and now I think that we shall play a little bit of, speaking of music, of Mystic Sam theme music, and I will very quickly with the roughly four minutes that are left for us on Zoom, whip through my predictions for the opening weekend okay then here we go as I mentioned already Union host Boca in the season opener on Friday evening I think that's going to be a Boca win do bear in mind by the way if you're going to bet based on my predictions that I really don't have a clue what any of these teams look like at the moment because um, I've been paying as much attention to them as you have over the last few months. Sarmiento host Estudiantes. I think that will be an Estudiantes win on Friday night and then on Saturday the action begins at lunchtime with Aldo Sibi versus Patronato. Uh, I think that's going to be an Aldo Sibi win. I expect Lanús and Atlético Tucumán to draw But I think Jose Sand will take the record this weekend. I think he'll manage a winner on the... uh, Not a winner, sorry, but a goal on the uh, opening weekend. Newells versus Tacheres, I think, will also be a draw. Gimnasia versus Platense, I think, is going to be a Gimnasia win. And then in the evening, Meles host Racing. Those teams are both involved in continental competition at the moment, of course. I think they will draw. On Sunday, Huracán versus Defensa y Justicia is going to be a Defensa y Justicia win. I just accidentally tapped something and took myself out of that screen. Arsenal versus San Lorenzo. Um, Cool. I'll go for a draw there. River against Colón, I think will be a Colón win. Independiente versus Argentinos, I think... Oh wow. both of those teams are involved in continental competition as well. Of course, Argentinos drew 1-1 away to River last night in the Libertadores, so that tie is very much up for grabs, which of course influenced my Colon prediction just now. Uh, Independiente currently one-nil down against Santos, with we nine. just scored an equaliser. Oh, did they? That's not showing up on my TV. We yet. just
2: scored an equaliser. I mean, I I know because my my brother and my dad are actually, you know, playing and. Uh, Celebrating uh, downstairs, but uh, I oh, know okay. that
0: we scored an equalizer. Oh, it's not. It it's still not, says 1 1. Right yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, Independiente may to. or may not be drawing 1 1 with Santos, or they might be losing 1 0, but either way, it looks like that tie is still going to be very much alive at the end of the oh, game. Oh, wait, as well. it, it,
2: was, it was called for upside. Sorry. It was called for upside. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. So Fucking hell.
0: I suspect that Independiente Argentinos, either way, is going to be reserves against reserves, and I will go for Argentinos reserves to win it central cordoba versus banfield on monday is going to be a banfield win and godoy cruz versus rosario central is going to be a rosario central win i think given that so many of the sides involved in the libertadores and sudamericana are presumably going to field largely second string sides i'm not sure how many of those matches really stand out you think there will,
1: Sam? After two months of inactivity, you think they want well, with, a bit more playing experience? No?
0: I mean, going straight back into the knockout stage, though, with so few days in between matches, uh, it'd be brave yeah. to feel a, a feeling full strength side in three straight games.
1: I've got a feeling at least the younger, the younger first team lads are going to be uh, be on the pitch. But let's finish anyway because we've got less than one.
0: Indeed, yeah, uh, we will have to see, and indeed we will see. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us, though, for this week. And thanks and goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. From English Dan. Goodbye. From Santi.
2: Goodbye, fellow champions of America.
0: And from me, thank you and goodbye. And of course, felicitaciones to all of our Argentine listeners. Full-time score from that women's championship final. Uh, San Lorenzo got a late equaliser after we finished recording and they then won the shootout. So they are the new women's champions of Argentine football.